welcome to another episode of On the Go with MPOs. In this podcast, students in Michigan State University's Arts, Cultural Management, and Museum Studies program explore stories from industry professionals at nonprofit organizations across the country to shed light on what they're doing to create a world that values and nourishes heritage, creativity, and performance. I'm today's host, Gabrielle Moran. Today, I have Dr. Al Saperstein and Harriet Saperstein here to discuss the Holocaust Memorial Center in Farmington Hills. I want to start off by saying thank you both for joining, and let's jump right in. So my first question is, um, what is your background and how, um, just tell me about yourself. Well, my name is Harriet Brown Saperstein. I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, and moved to Detroit in 1964. I have to think of the, the uh, 16, I'm sorry, I moved here in 63. And we have lived here since that time. We moved to Lafayette Park, uh, downtown Detroit, because I wanted to bring, my husband and I wanted to bring up our children in an integrated neighborhood. We have lived here since that time. We have traveled extensively around the world to something like, um, at least 20 or 30 countries, and we have lived abroad in England, Sweden, and short time in Italy, and some other places for short times. Uh, my husband, we came here because my husband took a job at Wayne State University. Uh, he's coming in right now to join us, and we never thought we'd stay here 50, 60 years, but we have. Uh, okay, other than that, both Al and I were brought up as Jewish, but basically secular Jews, meaning that neither of us were particularly involved in the synagogues itself. Uh, says that the synagogue is a place you hung up outside, high holidays perhaps, but uh, we are both committed to recognizing our Jewish historical past. For me, primarily because of the Holocaust itself. Six million people died for their religion unfairly. We still have genocide going on in the world. And for me, making sure that people understand that genocide is evil, point blank evil, uh, and you have to do what you can do to prevent it is a very important part of my life. I have become more active in Jewish institutions. I'm on the board of the Jewish Historical, I'm not on the board, I'm an advisor to the Jewish Historical Society of Michigan in terms of the possibility of developing a museum of Michigan Jewish history. And we are working with the Gallagher Associates and I'm finding that a fascinating way of looking at various aspects of how do you remember the past make it relevant to the present and create something in the future that has meaning to create a more just and more equal society and world. Okay, Al's parents were bakers. Both of our, all four of our parents were immigrants, but came here in the 1920s when they opened them, America opened up. Therefore, we did lose some personal family in the Holocaust, but very little because our key people were here already. But as far as I'm concerned, the world lost six million people because of the Nazi evil. So that's what. Okay, so that's our background. We've, I'm a sociologist, Al. You? Well, I was a physicist. Okay, and basically, we've both been involved in something called the Center for Peace and Conflict Studies, which deals with uh, obviously peace issues internationally and conflict studies. Al has done a lot of work on international security, climate change, and nuclear issues. I've done a lot more in community work in terms of economic community development and growth. 
my next question is how did you get involved with the Holocaust Memorial Center? We're basically, in a sense, we are participants in many of their uh, lectures. We have been to the Holocaust Museum and we know several people who work at that very well. Um, one of my closest friends and our closest friend is Irene Miller, who is indeed a Holocaust survivor and does a superb job of talking about her experiences after she left Warsaw, Siberia, and ended up in Uzbekistan with her family, talking about her hunger, her pieces, and the diversity and tolerance that we need to have in our world. History tells us where we came from. Right. If we don't know where we came from, we don't know where we're going. Yeah. Right. And you, and, and you can't learn from your mistakes then either, if you don't know the history. So Exactly so. So our involvement, therefore, is a minor supporter in terms of some funding. I'm not talking about anything big. Uh, and, and very recently, the, actually, the Zoom lectures that they have been doing, we have been watching and in, enjoying is a kind of interesting word, learning from. Yeah. You know, often, sometimes enjoying, but it's hard to enjoy some of the lectures. Uh, because of the subjects they're, they're on. So that's why we're involved. We think it's important for other people. We support people like Irene, uh, who's both uh, written the book, and we um, think it's very important that not only the Holocaust Memorial and the Holocaust itself with the six million people and others, you know, in a sense, the gypsies, the Romans, people who were disabled, etc. If, if, if you don't know what evil human, humanity is possible do, of doing, you won't be able to uh, work for the good. Right. So, so that's kind of why we have been somewhat involved and certainly are supportive of its concept and the National Museum as well. There's something about seeing the real cattle car that sits there that is absolutely essential to people understanding. If you don't see some of the things, if you don't see the artifacts and the reality, it all becomes words. There was a locally made TV program just a few weeks ago, which, uh, I don't know, some local group made it. And, and it starts off by interviewing a bunch of high school students who don't know anything at all about the Holocaust. Yeah. And the whole, the whole point of the film is to say, hey, forget, wake up, this is where you come from, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, the woman she mentioned, Irene Miller, is, is participant in this film. And that's the example. When you get the real stories told by the real people, and they're dying now of old age, those that are left, we're talking about a long, you know, a long time ago. That's really important. There's something about the reality of a personal story and personally told. Sometimes now it'll have to be the children or like you, the grandchildren of people who lived in that time. Those are essential and it takes a museum or some kind of institution like that to do, uh, to put that into place. That's why we support the Holocaust Memorial Center at this time. Right. Not just artifacts, it's stories. When people hear you guys, your guys' lectures or go into any of these museums, what are you hoping that they take away from the experience and when they're there? I suppose the first thing I want them to learn is that the, the uh, capability for evil that human beings can do. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't learn that, then you're not going to concentrate on the capability and, and, and the, um, you want to uh, promote the capability for good. Right. 
but you can't do that mm-hmm. unless you know the capability of evil, and that's the history. Right. And and uh, you also have to learn the good things of history. There certainly have been good things in history. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things, you know, what do people take, for example, you have to have something physical. For me, it's the cattle car that was used to incorporate people in the Holocaust Memorial Center mm-hmm. uh, as an example of what you have to see to remember how awful it can be. The words don't just do it. Have you been there? Yeah. Um, I've been to the Holocaust Museum in D.C. I have not been to the one here in Michigan. So <laughs> okay. Far away, but not close. Yes. Well, pandemic interfered. Yeah. And in terms of marketing, they do a good job on that. I think this concept of the Shoah ambassadors of people who are not Jewish, you know, kind of doing, and that's an example. So what do we take from it? We take from it that this is real. This is historical. You can pick any particular one you can. The list of people, the list of the countries that has it. They also have a section in the Holocaust Memorial Museum in Detroit. And I call it Detroit, even though it happens to be in a community that's one of the suburbs of Detroit, is basically is the, uh, the concept of the just. You know, for me, one of the most important people, and it's just he's mentioned, but in passing there, it happens, is the fact is the Japanese consul who basically gave 6,000 visas when he was told by his government not to do it and therefore saved 6,000 Jewish people, one of whom was my uncle, my father's youngest brother, who was on the last boat from Vladivostok, Siberia, to Kobe, Japan, where his brothers could sponsor him and bring him in. And that was a kind of thing. So, but even if I didn't have that personal connection, the concept of someone says, this is wrong, I will do what's right. The State Department under Roosevelt was very anti-Semitic, unfortunately, many anti-Semites. We could have saved tremendously more people. But just like we built in, we say all people are equal as the first census of the Constitution. We also say slaves are three quarters of a person. Right. And it was the North that did that, not the South. They did it to keep the South in, in a sense, kind of thing. One of the things museums can do is, again, tell those stories and pick them on different times. Kind of going off of that question, um, since like that documentary that you're talking about, just that high school students don't even know much about the Holocaust anymore. How how do you try and keep uh, the Holocaust and these survivor stories in the forefront? Well, I think they're doing that. Education, the State Board of Education now has, requires Holocaust studies in Michigan. But I would hope that they're not just the Holocaust studies of the Holocaust under Nazi Germany, but we remember that Holocausts, unfortunately, are still taking place. The kinds of things that we have in many different countries, unfortunately. Rwanda. Rwanda, as an example, Uh, and many other countries in Africa now in a yeah. sense, and other places, in a sense. We have uh, basically, uh, was it not Slovenia or some of the others, yeah, where you can see the pictures under Nazi Germany, and it wasn't the Germans who did that. It right. was the local right. people. So how do we keep in the forefront? One, yes, we do have the museums or even the, basically and the stories. Secondly, we make sure we connect that with other kinds of things that are still happening. Well, to you, try to, you try to teach history honestly. You, you read the newspapers today, you see this, this big dispute about whether, uh, what's, what's the word, a critical race theory. You've heard that over and over again. It's a meaningless term, but it's a big political thing nowadays. And 
should, quote, CRT, <laughs> should it be taught in schools? And so people say, no, let's, let's raise our kids in ignorance. If they're ignorant, they're happy. This dispute about what you teach kids. And, and teaching it doesn't only occur in schools. Teaching occurs in museums, uh, on the, in the media. And at home, too. So. Hmm? And at yeah. home by the parents. And at home. home members. Uh, yeah. yeah you're in the whole life, unless you're dead, your whole life is being, is being taught and teaching. Right. You're being taught by others and you're teaching others until you're dead. And maybe even after. Uh, we, for example, the Columbine and the Florida situation, we heard one of the Florida, Florida Parker, Parkwood uh, survivors speak here at the Center for Peace and Conflict Studies at the conference we had two years ago now, I guess, before the pandemic started. And it, she's going around the country. Her life is now dedicated to making sure people understand that you have to do the right thing, the just thing, the positive things. Although she still has damages, for example, in her legs, but she did survive. It's that kind of story we also have to tell. And whether it's the, this Holocaust Memorial Museum or others, or for example, uh, okay, for, okay, but for me, it has to be connected with other kinds of things. It cannot be defined just as a Jewish. Okay, I have one last question then for you. So if you guys had no barriers um, at all, what project would you take on and why? What projects would we take on? Uh, We're so involved. What projects? <laughs> my problem is what do I drop rather than what do I take on? Right. For example, relevant to your conversation is the issue of the Michigan Jewish Historical Society. Should there be a Jewish, should there be a historical museum of Michigan Jewish history? And what does that look like and where does that go? And the question of the costs and the marketing and the effects are very much a problem. That's a small thing. For me, local community development and to some extent, basically poverty and economic issues and how that has affected particularly the black community and our uh, society and our community even are still very important. So the project for me is what do we do about that? How do we get equality and more equality in that? How do we make sure that the government money goes to the right people and those people in some of those suburban and rural communities that need it themselves? I'm not arguing what other people need. Don't say because Detroit is primarily, the city of Detroit particularly, is primarily African-American. We'll see what we can do to stop getting money there because that's what our Michigan legislature is doing now. So yes, I'm also very concerned with voting rights. It's very clear that the Republican party and those people that are afraid and fearful are trying to find ways to make sure they can stay in power. And the other thing is not forgetting January 6th and the horror of that. That January 6th took place in this country not in a you know, non-democratic country, and people are still saying it didn't take place. Trump is still saying he didn't lose the election. People are still listening to him. People are not. We just heard this morning, my honorary daughter's mother died from COVID because she wouldn't get vaccinated. That's still what we're hearing. Right. Okay, what am I going to take on? Pick one. Sorry. Pick one. It's really hard. Al? Well, I do I have to give up my 90 years? I mean, <laughs> I mean, let's face it, 
I'm hindered in what I can do by my age. Well, if there were no barriers, so if like your age wasn't an issue and money wasn't an issue or time wasn't an issue, what is... I think I'd be more politically involved. Mm. Uh, in other words, I was always uh, an, an onlooker and a commentator and a teacher, but not an activist. Mm. Not true. He uh, forgets all his activism, but okay. <laughs> um, well, not enough then, maybe. maybe that, that'll accept. Maybe not enough. So going back to museums and the Holocaust Memorial Center, I see its role, or the new one, if we get something, could be traveling, could be internet, we don't know yet. Okay, basically, we have to be sure that we understand that something like the Jewish experience has to be known, has to be understood, because it is one of the worst examples, but it is not the only example and it can't have people come in and say, well, it happened to them, it won't happen to us. Going back to your major question in terms of you're looking at this from a marketing perspective, I think both the, having museums like the Holocaust Memorial Center and the African-American Wright Museum of African-American, the African-American Museum basement exhibit of a slave ship. I don't think anybody can walk through that and stay there and not have an experience of suddenly understanding how awful, how horrible, how evil that was. So there's something about the physical things that people can do in exhibits, the words, the music, the other things that are important for the future of people who haven't personally, even if it's indirectly with relatives, experienced some of this. And that's an important thing for them to do. And the second is they really have to tie it to whatever specialty they're looking at, how that relates to other things like it. So the Holocaust Memorial Center, and they do do that, has to talk about other kinds of Holocaust experiences in other countries. They do. You know, and the other museums, the Wright Museum has, has, and they try to tie that into other aspects as well. It's important for us to understand it's not one group. It's not just one people. And it is something that we all have to deal with. Okay. Well, thank you both so much for your time and your wisdom. And I really appreciate um, the conversation with you guys. This has been On the Go with MPOs, a Michigan State Arts, Cultural Management, and Museum Studies podcast. Thank you to our program director, K.F. Latham, and the College of Arts and Letters for supporting this project. The opinions expressed on this program do not reflect official entities of Michigan State University. To hear more episodes and learn how Michigan State is training future arts administrators to manage with compassion and care, visit artsmuseumsmanagement.cal.msu.edu forward slash podcast.